everyone, and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street. A monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on all of the usual socials, or subscribe to our Patreon for bonus content and merch. You can find all of that by visiting us at allmylinks.com backslash A Nightmare on Fear Street, or in our episode descriptions wherever you're listening to this podcast at. All right, everyone. Here we are again, and this month, this week, month, week, this week, we are covering what? What is time? We are covering <laughs> the fly. That's right, because we still love the '80s. So we're visiting Grandpa Gooey, aka <laughs> David Cronenberg. Um, this was Trent's first time watching the fly. Are you okay? <laughs> okay, yeah, because I I had a really interesting time because like. So the, we we covered the brood, and that's been my only no knowing time knowing time. It's the only time I've wa- knowingly watched a Cronenberg film. I might have uh, seen another one, and I just didn't know it. But I actually prefer The Fly to The Brood, which you know I, I just think that the story is more interesting. It's not as like what the fuck is going on, <laughs> even though there's a lot of what the fuck is going on. But like it's it's explained to you, like it makes more sense, and all the characters feel really human at least our two leads so i really liked it but god this movie was gross i we agree on a movie i don't know if it's my hot take or not if it is i'll figure it out when i get down there but like i one of my notes here somewhere on this document is this is my favorite cronenberg i've seen like a handful and i definitely own it might be a bias because i grew up with this one i've watched it so many times um it's like even today when i was watching it for this i'm so comfortable with this movie i was eating during it and i'm just like oh that's fucked up he's just oozing around like that chips 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 um because i've seen it so many times I, it's stitched into my brain. I love Gina Davis. Zaddy Goldblum, hello. And it's, I don't know. And it's so 80s. It's just so 80s. I, it's my favorite. And yeah. I, I know Grandpa Gooey does it all the time. Why are we always gagged? But like, it's, it's the one I well, miss it the most. Yes. And I will say like Cronenberg is not really my cup of tea per se. It's like, it's not when I'm like, I want to watch a movie tonight and be like, the fly. <laughs> <laughs> But I did really like it. And I will say, even with the brood and into this film, these special effects are fucking killer. Like, it is incredible. The way that he imagines, because, like, let's face it, Cronenberg does this really weird thing. It's body horror, but it's also part sci-fi, but it's also part horror. And there's some realism cut, cut into that. The way that his imagination, and I'm sure he has great artists that collaborate, and I think that's really important. Kudos to them. But the way that he creates, like the way that he figured out how this man would slowly transform into the fly, or, or not a fly, but you know what I mean. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, what's his name? Fly. Bundle fly. Bundle fly. <laughs> and it was it was masterful. It, it just is masterful. I, I'm really happy that we rolled out of Sam Raimi into Cronenberg because these are two different directors who have a very specific aesthetic. Yes. Um, like you were saying, like whenever we get Grandpa Gooey, we know it's going to be gross and oozy. And so like when I was watching The Brood, I'm like, he hasn't grossed me out yet. What's happening? And then she was like, let me look up the skirt. It's just baby puss. I'm like, ah, <laughs> no, no. We almost had it, David. We almost had it. <laughs> um, and like his new one. Um, oh my God. Crimes of the Future, I finally saw because it's on Hulu. That's mm. a gross bitch. Like, he's he's just a gross boy. And I love that for him. 
because he's trying to figure out like how men fit in with machinery and science which mm. is a very sci-fi nerd thing to do. Like, I like to imagine that, like, him and Stan Lee probably had coffee a couple times to be like, right. and this is what your Spider-Man should be doing, you little bitch. And he's which, like, and this is what your Brindlefly should be doing, you little bitch. Which he kind of does in the end with this film, with Brindlefly, when Brindlefly accidentally fuses himself with a machine at the very end of the film. So, you know, he he is definitely consistently in the same world. Like, I'm not shocked by this film. Like it, like he has so many lines in this movie. Zeddy Goldblum, aka Seth, aka the Fly. Um, he's got so many lines that are just it, they hit me in a way. They're kind of like poetic and beautiful, mm-hmm. and are also like definitely like part of this. Grandpa Gooey's playing with like how is man <laughs> supposed to be living on this earth? Because like, and I wrote some of it down. I'm gonna paraphrase some of it probably, but let me go down here real quick. The Jeff Goldblum line that I actually like pulled out my phone and wrote down this time was I'm an insect that dreamed he was a man. And that whole little bit of uh, almost a monologue. Cause he's just like, he's, he's talking about himself as he is as a fly right now, but also he didn't have the most self-esteem of things, which is part of the reason why he fucked around and found out with his machine. Instead of talking to her, he was like, I'm, I'm just going to fucking turn myself into something and see what happens. Men. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, I, I I think that the writing and I think this might be why I like it better than the brood because like I said, that's my extent of Cronenberg right now. But I think that the writing in the fly is stronger than the brood. Um, he did co-write this with Charles Edward Pogue. Hopefully, mm. I'm saying that right. But yeah, there's so many great dialogue moments in this movie. Yeah, I also love that this remake has like an actual stamp of the director slash co-writer mm-hmm. because a lot of times mm-hmm. people adapt things and they forget that they can be themselves with it. And so you lose mm-hmm. them. And like, if I, if I did, wasn't just the nerd I am, it happened to know there was an original out there. I would be like, this is a Cronenberg original. Cause it, it feels so Cronenberg. I would never even think, Oh no. Um, <laughs> it's just when I think Cronenberg, I think this, I always have, because again, this is what I saw as a kid. Cause it was always on somewhere on HBO or TBS. Mm-hmm. And so like, I was just like, Jeff Goldblum's going to turn into a fly and hurt me again. Like, <laughs> every week. I can't look at, Oh, before I get into Jeff Goldblum, I want to do, let's do a love letter to Gina Davis because I love this woman. She, this this character is strong. Of course, she's great in it. She looks great. I I love Gina Davis. I wanted to be here for two years as a child because it was right at the time A Long Kiss Goodnight and Cutthroat Island came out. And I was like, this bitch is an assassin and a pirate. We can have goals as women? Because, like, who else is doing it like her? And also, like, she decided to start um, that festival in Arkansas that I just read the name of. That's embarrassing because it's, like, mm-hmm. a bigger festival. Bentonville. It used to be all women and now it's like a little bit um, more open because feminism has to like keep expanding otherwise you're a problem and Gina gets True. that. Gina um, gets that because Gina is great. Yeah, let me just Google it so we can get that name in here because I shouldn't forget that. I go virtually every year. I've been invited three years even though I can't cover most of the movies because they don't do a lot of horror mm-hmm. and I find something I love every fucking time. I should know because I'm in fucking Arkansas. <laughs> you should actually go in person. You would love it. I you should. have like romances and dramas, to. and you'd be like, yeah. It's the Bentonville Film Fest. I don't know why I doubted myself. Um, 
Yeah. Well, I love that. There's, there's that. I love that journey for me. But like, <laughs> that's where I see so many movies outside of the genre that I just fucking love. And I find those filmmakers and then we end up like be like mutuals on social media. I just, she's an icon. She's a legend. And she... I just love that her whole career has been like, I give him no shit. I'm not going to play your quiet mom here in the corner. Even the extra series. She's in the extra series first season. I need to watch that. Is it good? The first season's good. I, I started okay. second season, but I wandered off because life, but I want to get back in it and see where the second season goes. Okay. Because I love Gina Day. I don't know if she's in it. I'm going to have to be, be there. Yes. And, and I And I also appreciate that... She plays, what's her character's name in this? Ronnie. Ronnie. That she plays a woman that while is is complicated, is a full-fledged, fully dimensional person, but she's also not afraid to go there. Like she's not afraid, and 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 she's not the one that has all the nudity in this one. Thank you very much. That's Jeff one Goldblum. of my notes. Listen, <laughs> I will take naked Jeff Goldblum, please. Except on turns to fly, Listen, I could just no. ooh. He spent ooh. so much time in his tidy whities and with sheets just wrapped around his waist, and I was like, yes. Meanwhile, from her, you get a little bit of a side boob once. I didn't think Ronnie was complicated because I know so many Ronnies. I am kind of a Ronnie and that like, we know what we're about. We know our words. We're not putting up with people's bullshits. We're leaving men behind. And she falls for a, a scientist, which is a dangerous game and gets laxed with them condoms. And then she got problems. I, I didn't think she was complicated though. I thought she was actually just like a very well-written woman by dudes, which is unfortunately rare. <laughs> I wish I could say that more often, but I can't. Right. Well, I don't think I'd be complicated. Like, you can't understand where she's coming from. I just mean fully dimensional. Like, she's not just a one-note woman. Does that make sense? So you're That's saying she's more. realistic. Yes. <laughs> yes. She's so grounded in reality. Like, Girl, why you always got to make things so complicated? Why <laughs> <laughs> you got to go? Anyway, sorry. Um, okay. Yeah, I completely agree. Also, okay, I want to talk about this because I felt this way and I'm curious how you took it and it could just be my brain and how I think about Christianity but um <laughs> so she uh Ronnie has a line when Seth is trying to get her to go into the the spli- the the machine or whatever yeah and she says that born again transportation uh transportation crap uh this movie especially with the way that Seth treats his scientific uh, advancement or experiment feels very evangelical Christian. Yes. Feels very, especially in its superiority at some points, like when he feels like he's better than her and she needs to get on his level and do this and, and become this. And then, especially when you add in the abortion stuff, then it's like, because all the men are telling her not to do it, not to do it, not to do it. I, that, every, all of that whole thing, oh, yes. Listen, listen, I I definitely caught cult vibes off of Brendelfly, because he goes through it and gets high off his own supply. He's like, I am God, I can do all things. Plus, he has got fly brain in there now, and so he's not right. And she tries to reason with him. She tries to be like, look, you need help. And he's like, no, because again, he's got that God complex now. And he decides to snatch her and just merge her in the unborn fetus thing with him. And I'm like, you you really gone too fucking far. But like the abortion is one of my notes because again, 
This is a woman I'm not pissed about written by men, which is very, very rare because men don't normally see women as people, which is why mm-hmm. we've been here for how many seasons now? And I have the same note often. Um, and not only is she just like, no, I have agency. And also, fuck you. I'm in the room. I'm going to have an abortion over the other. You can do it or I can do it. But I'm not having a fly baby. Um, <laughs> I, I, it made me happy because I was like, girl, you knew he was experimenting on himself and you didn't go, we should get condoms again. Like, again. Where's your birth control? Right. You can be out here fucking scientists um, without any protection because they always do something weird. Look at all the Marvel movies. <laughs> right. right. And and I will say, like, to me as a, as a cisgendered man, uh, that moment with the with the whole, with the abortion and, and all the men trying to control what she's doing with her body. Other than the body horror stuff, that's, of course, part of the horror. But, like, the real scare, the scariest part to me was that she had this thing inside of her that she wanted to get out and no one would help her do that. That's terrifying. And And I shouldn't have to say this. Right. I was about to say, I shouldn't have to say this in this world, but here we are. Women should have agency over their own healthcare and their own bodies. Point blank in the period. Like I don't want someone coming to tell me what I can have in my body. So I don't want to tell anyone to tell you what you can have in your body. So like I, that part, I just want to be like, like every legislator, every Republican legislator, every legislator is used to watch this movie. Like, this is what you want women to do. You want women to carry fly babies. Listen, listen, because she, she was like, I don't want it. I've had nightmares. I've seen what it could be. I don't want it. And he was like, You don't know. And he was like, Did you tell him? What you got to tell him for? He turned himself into a fucking fly. He's not making decisions anymore. Like, he's he's not a factor. Look. You might change your mind. You might want a fly baby. You may, you may want to have some larva when right? you. No, and then when he grabs her and is trying to like talk her into like getting the machine on her own volition, which was never going to happen, he's like, "It's a part of me. You can't kill the last part of me." And it's like, "Bitch, you a whole ass six foot fly, okay? You've right. done what you've done. You should thought about that before you turned yourself into a fucking fly. You can't now be like, I care about my legacy, bitch." Like, Bitch. What it also felt to me, especially from him. Now, the ex-boyfriend, that's a whole other situation because he's just trash. trash the whole way through. Mm-hmm. But with with set with uh Brindlefly, once he's like pretty much 50-50, you know, it really walked this line between it felt like Brindlefly wanted her to keep the baby to keep this quote unquote species alive. Which is kind of that innate animal kind of instinct, which is interesting to play as an actor. I'm sure Jeff Goldblum had a fan, had a really fun role in figuring out what part of Brindlefly is human and what part of Brindlefly is that and that I say animal and insect instinct yeah. that you want to keep the you want to keep the the thing going. You know, you yeah. want to keep the flies a flying. And what triggers each half? Because mm-hmm. like it. It could be very one note if you're like, I'm a fly now, buzz, buzz, bitch. But like, if you're still a person in there somewhere, when do you have those moments of, I'm a person and I'm logical? And we have those points where it's like, the fly is the fly is winning. The fly is winning today. Um, which is why right. at the very end, when he's like, I've really made myself into another kind of monster, please end this. <laughs> I'm like, that's the Seth we thought we like came home with that first night. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's still in there. Because again, like, to like score Zaddy Goldblum and have him be a scientist that's about to like change both of your careers 
And then for you to like go talk to your boyfriend, your ex-boyfriend once, and he's like, I'm jealous and I'm drunk. Fuck it all. What kind of what kind of cancery Virgo shit is that? Like Oh, Jeff Go. Oh, Seth. Yeah, it felt like (laughs) it's just very like, what are you doing, dude? Like, what? And you saw the fly flying around. Like you knew could that could have something could happen. Also, I have questions about flies because like after he changed himself and they were having sex, she was like, We've been at it for hours and you're not tired yet. And I was like, Do flies do that for hours? Should we all be like (laughs) finding the fly men? Like, what are we? Well, and I do think that's part of like the the survival part, the the part about keeping the species. I'm doing that in quotation marks. So I just realized that people can't see me uh, besides Sheree. But uh, keeping the species alive is, re- you know, mm-hmm. reproducing a shit ton of things, and like boom, 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 boom. I know that like the gestation of flies is not long. Like there's they can poop out offspring very quickly i think so i'm curious if that's part of that part of it you know and in that case how many larvae does she have inside of her? i i don't fuck with maggots of a normal size so to drop a bag of adult size maggots oh no take me to the king rip it all out i don't want any more of my plumbing ever again like <laughs> Just go ahead and, like, cut me in the middle and let me, like, <laughs> army crawl out. I don't want it. Like, I also wonder if that woman he brought home, if he knocked her up. Because you know they were fucking. That's, I thought about that, too. I was like. Yeah. I've never seen the sequel. So maybe that's how the sequel happens. I've never seen the sequel or the original. I've just seen this remake. I don't want to see the sequel, which uh, that's part of a hot text on that one. I kind of do, because it's on HBO Max right now. And Eric Stoltz is there. Why not? I mean, I'm curious your thoughts if you do watch it, but I read the synopsis and I don't want to watch it. <laughs> I've read nothing. Because again, like this is my fly and so I've never like dippled and dabbled in the other two movies, but maybe this is the time while they're there and available. I would watch the original. I would do that for sure. I've been thinking, because we've covered so many remakes of things that came out in the 50s and 60s that we might have to like do like a Don't Fuck With The Original Month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. I have a question. Yes. How did no one comment on this man's face for like 30 minutes in this film? He was looking like, I understand. You don't want to be that person to be like, what's wrong with your face? But like, by the time he went to the bar and picked up, what's her face? Uh, picked up Tawny. Yeah. He His face was like real busted. There was clearly something wrong with this man. Like, I was just like, Seth, I know you got a mirror. It's a tiny one, because, like, this apartment's layout was confusing. That little baby mirror in that bathroom, like, who this for? You was an eight-foot-tall man, Zeddy Goldblum. What you doing hunching down over here every day to brush your teeth? But whatever. <laughs> I- right. <laughs> and also, why did Tani go with him? He just ripped man's hand off, essentially. Tani likes some stuff that we ain't talking about. We ain't here to kink shame. <laughs> Tani's like, ooh, uh, yeah, I'll go home. But also for her to just be like fucking and watching him experiment himself. I'm just like, Tani, Tani. Right. I did also appreciate Tani when she was like, hey, I mean, I'll go home with you. But I mean, can we go to a few more bars? It's really early. (laughs) Priorities. (laughs) She wouldn't get her drink on, you know? I'm not mad at it because like when she got back there, 
Arzetti Goldblum was not Arzetti Goldblum. <laughs> she needed a drink or five. <laughs> listen, listen. I, um, I'm not a romance girl, and so that's wasted on me. And like this time I watched it, which is probably like I don't know the thirtieth, fortieth, maybe fiftieth time I've seen this movie in my life. Um, it really landed on me that they really wanted that angle. But again, I'm just like can't hear it can't see it um but i while i'm not a romance girl i really did this time around get that ronnie did care for this fool and it's another reason why he really fucking blocked his own blessings because literally she was Mm -hmm. like oh he's been talking to you let me go clear him real quick and she was gone for all of two hours and he's like fuck it i'm gonna do it tonight because i'm jealous and i'm like good sir you Use your words. Why can't you just wait until the next time you see her to be like, hey, when you were talking to your ex-husband, wow, your ex-boyfriend, I felt a way. Is that really done? Right. Instead of being like, I'm insecure and I, I'm going, I'm regressing back to childhood traumas. Um, again, if more women get therapy, we'd have less movies. <laughs> True. But so let's not go to therapy. I'm just kidding. Let's go to therapy. But let's, characters don't need to go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my my issue, and I will say this: this may be a writing thing. And let's face it, Cronenberg is not a romance writer. <laughs> he has many things, but he is not in a romance. That's um, kind of <laughs> Their romance, I didn't really buy into it either. But and that's weird for me because you know I am a romance person. I but it went very quickly. Like there was not a lot of like courting happening. It was just like professional fucking relationship. Like, it was like, you know, which I guess I get, because Cronenberg is a very, like, scientific, like, this is part one, part two, part three. Mm -hmm. Um, But it didn't really flow for me for the writing of of the romance. Like, them getting from the party to the bedroom made sense for me. Because, like, Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum are both really fucking hot. And so, like, if you get the other one alone and they into it, why wouldn't you? And so, that was just good math. (laughs) No questions. (laughs) But it was the afterwards, because she was trying to be, like, as warm as she could be, but again, that's not her lane. And so she was like, well, if it's gonna take weeks, let's take a trip. Or, I'm here for you for this. Or, I'm I'm trying to care for you, and I'm trying to talk to you. And he was like, Mm. I'm a fly now, buzz, bitch, buzz. And so, (laughs) it, it, it just, it felt, it felt so sad. And it was so depressing. But again, I... It was really wasted on me because if I'm fucking somebody trying to stuff fly, we're not fucking anymore. So I don't have to worry about any fly babies. I'm just going to be like, you did what? I'm leaving. Viola Davis gif out. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, and like, I think it it was the scene. I think it was the first time they had sex. They had sex a lot in this movie, which I'm not complaining about because like you said, Cena Davis and and Jeff Goldblum. If I was like her and I was with Jeff Goldblum, I'd be fucking all the time too. Like, right. don't call me, don't write me, I'm busy. <laughs> but I think it was the first time, and I did like the dialogue. I thought the dialogue was very stylized and interesting and in-depth. But, like, she was already, like, eating him. Like, I want to eat you. And I'm like, you want to, what? <laughs> and she's like, the flesh. And I want to, I love your flesh. And I was like, if I'm fucking somebody, the first time, like, okay, if we're, like, this has been going on a while and we're like into it, then okay, you can tell me you want to devour my flesh. But like, Mm -hmm. if it's the first time, you got to ease me into that. Call me old fashioned, but I feel like if you're going to fuck somebody long term, the first time is an interview. 
Right. If it's a one night stand, do you boo. But if you're like, this is going to go somewhere, you got to be like, okay, that was very nice and polite. We both got what we needed. But also, you know what's better? (laughs) (laughs) Next time. Yeah. You have to like work it up. Like when you're easing into a hot bath, you know, you can't just be like, Sazam, all the way in there and burned all my shit. You got to be like toes, ankles, knees. Ooh. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Ankles, knees, and toes. Right? You can't be all like, I got three costumes in my car. I'll be back. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Let me look at my whips and chains real quick. Listen, is this your only sex swing? (laughs) 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 Right. But I will say, like the romance going from like one to a billion in two seconds, the gross factor of this movie went from like 10 to a billion in like 10 seconds. It was wild. Like the I saw Jeff Goldblum and then I saw Jeff Goldblum and I don't know that I'll ever be able to look at him and say. Him pulling his fingernails out and just the ways they found places to have goos come out of him. I said goos because it was gooey and oozy. It, it was it was like pudding coming out of his nails and his eyes and his <laughs> the way that things are just sliding off of him. Oh God, it's so fucking. When dumb. his ear came off, listen. When his fucking, when she ripped off his jaw, listen, listen. When he started sticking to the ceiling, I'm like, you can't touch me no more. You can't touch me no more. <laughs> Could you imagine that happened while he was doing some four players? Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> I feel like, oh, I'm right? stuck. I can't. Like, Get your hand off me. Get your hand off me. <laughs> Or out. Can you imagine if the hands were in already? (laughs) Right. I can't. He he got so gross. And it hurts me because he's so hot to look at. And then he was like, I'm oozing. And I'm hunched over. And now I'm not right in my head anymore. He became a Dick Tracy character. And I'm like, what the fuck has happened? I was so disgusted. Truly. Oh, and when he had the like the the vomit over things oh. to liquefy it to eat it oh. when they started liquefying uh Statler was that his name Stanthers just oh. Stanley I'm not at the vomit <laughs> Stathis they yeah. started vomiting over Stathis to liquefy him oh the way oh. he took care of his hand and his foot but again the last twenty minutes of this movie I was like. <laughs> So gross. I remember as a kid, because I was following along with this movie, like, okay, okay, okay. And then, like, he jumps through the window to snatch out of the doctor's office and it becomes a whole other movie. I'm like, (laughs) 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 and that's why I don't understand people are like, you can have a tonal shift. I'm like, have you not met Grandpa Gooey? He tonal shifts all the fucking time. (laughs) We're welcome. (laughs) Right. Right. While we're talking about um, Seth and his issues (laughs) issues <laughs> um i don't remember if it was attack of the queer wolf or brother ghoulish or both or neither but like a few months ago i heard someone talking about how people are have been saying that like seth's deterioration is an allegory for the aids crisis because this movie came out in the 80s and a lot of people mm. had to watch their partners die and i that's something that I stuck with me the last few times I watched it because I never mm. thought about that because again I was a kid when I saw it in the nineties and it was already a few years old yeah. and so I never thought to like put it in context historically to be like does that feel right or wrong? I would be interested to hear Cronenberg if he's ever said anything about that, you know? Because that is really interesting. Because I mean, yeah, the 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 timing is there. 
especially with how it begins to manifest itself at the very beginning with like the splotches on his skin. That's, that's super interesting. And it would also make Ronnie wanting to stick with him make sense because like, Mm -hmm. I don't understand love, but like if, if this is like her partner and they're dying of something that is not something he inflicted on himself, (laughs) which he did this time, he did this to himself. Like, this is not, I can't feel bad for Seth. Because Seth was a whole ass man who was like, I'm getting this machine because I got feelings today. Boop. Oh, no. So, like, you know what? Consequences. But, like, if it was somebody who had, like, something that was not their own creation, <laughs> um, I could see somebody wanting to stay in there and hang out with them and, like, make it comfortable and, like, write it out. Um, there's a few movies from that time where people put that narrative on it, though. I don't know if all of them deserve it. And... Mm. Whoever told me or whoever I listened to that gave me this nugget, because again, it's been months. I don't know where they landed on it. I, I want to say Brother Ghoulish was not about it, but I'm again, I'm not 100% sure anymore who and mm. where. <laughs> yeah. Where this came from. But it, it is an interesting context to watch the movie from, you know? I think I kind of land on... No, I think. But I don't know. I think that, because I could also see, I think you're right in the sense that he did this to himself. It wasn't a, mm-hmm. it wasn't like a, a, a illness that he contracted from someone else. But I can also see in the mindset of queer people that they might have a lot of mental things when they get, when they do contract it, that there's a lot of self-blame. There's a lot of self, you know, all that, you know, all that sex shame and all that that we all deal with. On, but I'm sure it's even heightened at that point. Um, so I could see maybe that playing into it, but I, I, it's a stretch for me. It's yeah. a little bit of a stretch. It, it's one of those things where I don't, I don't get a say, but I do think that it. I don't think that's what this is, but I also am very aware that when you're a writer, things do seep into your subconscious when you're writing things. Right. So maybe like on a bibliography page, that's somewhere on that for this. But mm-hmm. I don't think it was the main intent. But again, I don't get to say I'm not the writer, I'm not in the community. But I, I, I've I, been trying to like think about that the last time I've watched this movie since I've heard that. Um, right. I think it's a part of the reason why Ronnie's reactions are starting to stand out to me a little bit more. Because I'm just like, okay, so this is somebody who, let's say, has an illness, um, whether mm-hmm. it be like cancer or whatever. And mm-hmm. does that affect the way that I'm just like, leave him, girl? Oh. <laughs> and so I don't know. It's something I've been thinking about. And I need to remember who said that in front of me or in my ears so I could like give them credit and forget where they landed. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I do feel like you're probably right in the sense that this might not have been intentionally like an inspiration but the world around you, your 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 lived experience, could would dictate, even even unconsciously, what you're writing and producing, and so as, like similarly to, I know there's there's been a similar kind of context put on, um, the Stephen Sondheim musical Into the Woods, um, which I, he's even come out to say that that's not at least intentionally not been the was not the inspiration. But I could I can see that you know I can see where the world around you because like on Broadway in theater they were losing people as well they were in film and in you know art the art world in general the queer people were just being dropped you know so I, I I can see where it might unintentionally or unconsciously 
have affected the writing and the product that, the, that was given, but I could also see where that wouldn't be intentional because I don't think it really plays into other things about HIV. And it could also just be a perfect storm of um, the the influences are there, even though it's not like the main focal point. It's just, it happens to be the time you're writing it in. Um, and it's meeting the lack of representation from a community that has to like look for cracks and crannies to see themselves in any art. Because mm-hmm. like, it would have been different if Gina Davis had been a dude. Um, and then you could be like, okay, maybe we really get into this. But like, also, we weren't really having queer couples on screen back then. We're barely having them now. Um, right. So, like, <laughs> and so, and it's it's unfortunately something that, that, like, while it's not my exact experience, I can relate to because I'm used to not seeing Black women who are like me on screen. And mm-hmm. so that's why I'm leaning towards Gina Davis characters and shit because I'm just like, at least somebody's somewhere near my ballpark. Right. And so, like, I think that those two, those two perfect storms just sort of met up in the middle. And that might be some mm-hmm. of why this is a thing that keeps coming up. Um, or maybe Grandpa Gooey was like, yeah, bitches, I did it. I just never had that interview. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Listeners, if you have uh, resources for us on this, let us know. Because I would be interested to read, yeah. hear, watch, whatever. Especially because Grandpa Gooey is always gooey. And so, like, it, it makes you want to revisit all of his other works to be like, are all of the ones from the 80s like this? Because it's another, his aesthetic is gross. It is. I love him. He's a gross boy. Um, <laughs> somebody gonna be leaking. Somebody gonna lick something they shouldn't lick. Like, it's just, it's what it is. I know when I go in, don't eat if I have not seen it enough times to be like, <laughs> unbothered. Desensitized. Listen, cause like, uh. ugh, you need to watch Crimes of the Future because there are so many scenes. I'm just like, no. Oh, 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 ugh. And this is my gooey in today. This is, he's not mellowed. <laughs> he's not mellowed. He's like, I still want to see the insides. And I'm just like, Grandpa Gooey, no. <laughs> did he just have another one released recently? Infinity Pool or something? That's his like, son but... who did it possess Oh, okay. Oh, okay, okay. People are already saying Brandon's better than his father. And I'm like, sit down. That's a big statement. Listen, Grandpa Gooey has been giving us the goo for decades. <laughs> Brandon's done two movies. Right. Which one I liked the first one. Yeah. That was that one was good. Even I had an issue with um what happened up top with the black woman. Um yeah, yeah, I yeah. did not Infinity Pool is not for me. Um a lot of people love it, and so I'm saying less because again, I, I don't need to like be kicking people in the teeth to be like, I dare you. Like they can like a thing, I don't need to love it. Mm. Right, right. I like seeing Alexander Skarsgård walk around the leash. That was a good time. <laughs> Oh. But also, I think this might be the most 80s movie we've ever covered. Like, the feathered hair, the big clothes. Everybody's winning their shit. Nobody's pants fit. Nobody's. The only thing they ever fit was Jeff Goldblum's underwear. Because he's wearing those tidy whities his mom bought him. And I was like, that's a character moment. (laughs) And I was A-okay with that choice. He needed some support. And I wasn't there. I wasn't born yet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But also the dollar store tech because like his machines are like two giant plungers <laughs> held together by hope and duct tape i it was like those early episodes of doctor who yes 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 exactly exactly and 
the sad part is like in the 80s they're like this is high tech because think about like the vcrs and the a-tracks and the cars bigger right. was the way which by the hair is everywhere up in heaven um they were like you gotta go big to make people know you got status and it's cool and slick and i'm like no this chunky thing is not really doing it <laughs> Yeah, I you know, I'm here for it. I like the 80s. It's bigger, you know, the higher the hair, the closer to Jesus. Listen, listen. They was both trying to find Jesus um, in his apartment. <laughs> both of them, yes, yeah, Seth and Ronnie. We're it both was so feathered. It was so, I was like, I can't always tell where your hair ends and his begins when y'all in bed. And I need y'all to just like leave a little bit of room for hair gel and Jesus. <laughs> uh Jeff Goldblum, before you turned into a fly. Woo, girl. That man is in his 70s. He can still get it if we stop talking. Because he said a couple things. I'm like, ugh. Yes, yeah. But if he would stop talking and just let me have my moment, I I would appreciate that. (laughs) Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Speaking of men, uh, (laughs) Ronnie's ex, Status, is that, his name is not Status. Thank you. Status. Stather, Stather. Let me go look again. Stathis. Stathis. That's it, Stathis. Um, Stathis is a garbage person, and I'm really sad that Seth turned himself into such a monster where Stathis became a hero. That's <laughs> that's fucking gross. I felt that way, too. I kind of... If there was one thing I could change about this movie, it would be that Stathis would not get that kind of hero transition at the end that that would be Ronnie. Yeah. That's the one thing I would do. And I do think that's part of the 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 era that it was released in or the time, you know, I Can we still I, get maybe, it today though. Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. True. Very true. Cuz like three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Like there's a hot racist in that movie who doesn't actually ever apologize or redeem himself for the black people he's like harmed. But he gets beat up to save the white girl or to find out what happened to the white girl at the end and people are like, he's a hero. And I'm just like... And it's a narrative we keep seeing. Like, good girls. Like, the first season, um, a person assaults one of the girls and then we keep him around for comic relief. And I'm just like, you can't assault people and be comic relief. I, yeah. I, I Like I said, I, if I could change one thing about this movie, it would be that Ronnie at the end would be the hero, not Stathis. Yeah. I'm okay with Stathis going and trying and getting the liquefied like that's fine <laughs> but i want ronnie to have that end i would have loved for seth to just like completely disembowel that man while ronnie's getting the gun yes yes agreed agreed because again like we he's her boss who they had an inappropriate relationship with because he was her teacher when they met in college and he got her, her first job and she still works for him because, again, women in journalism, it's just hard out there. It's still hard out here, y'all. And so, like, when he's following her and, like, accosting her in the store to be like, are you on his cock? And I'm just like, you are a gross-ass bastard. I... Yeah. When she showed up and he was in her shower, I was like, nope. Listen, listen. And, again, when you have her with a stalker already, <laughs> I... And again, I know the 80s were even wilder somehow, which is depressing and sad. Because, like, we had men stalking women in romances and being like, that's romance. Like, I I like looking at John Cusack, too. But if he's just up beside my window when I'm talking to him with a radio, alerting me and my neighbors he's outside, watching me through my window, that ain't okay. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. That's weird. Like all the gross tropes in the 80s of men stealing girls' underwear. Not okay. And that somehow being endearing. Listen, like I read a piece from Molly Ringwald a few years ago where she watched The Breakfast Club with her daughter and she hadn't seen it in a while. And her daughter's like, Mom, Judd Nelson under the table touching the character's crotch, that's not a moment. And she's like, oh right. shit, you're right. And the, ra- and the racism in that movie is. Listen. A moment. <laughs> Listen, there's a lot of isms in that movie. And again, we all grew up on this shit. And so we don't want to like talk about it and see it, but we have to. Like, I was just gonna, it could still be a really important movie to your childhood or your 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 lived experience, but just acknowledge that when you were a child, you didn't see it that way, and now you do, and now you see that it's kind of weird. Right? Right? That's all it is. It's called growth. Because nothing's perfect, but also you have to like take into consideration that some of this shit's real fucked up. And you have to take into consideration that when you're like talking about how much you love it, some people are gonna be like, I might be a little bit offended. Um, and it doesn't mean you have to like go out and burn your DVD, but it does mean you need to like think about like <laughs> how you move in these spaces. Because like if yeah. everything you love is homophobic, perhaps. Perhaps. Everything you love is racist or sexist or ableist or all the above. <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> um, and so again I think that that's just it's growth and it's something that like we had to like start dealing with our first season because we went back for the craft which we both grew up on and we both loved it but like as adults we were just like huh right. <laughs> there are still moments of that movie I love like we're the weird ones mister like yeah like yeah. love those moments I love the sisterhood parts I love all that but there are some real questionable no. things like I look at, I have to look at media, like I look at people and that like nobody's 100%. We're all feeling somebody mm-hmm. at some point in time. Yeah. And so like these movies and shows that I love are not going to be flawless. Like very few of them are 100%. They're going to get something wrong. Yeah. And I have to be like, is it something so wrong I can't watch it again? Or is it something so wrong that when it comes up, I just have to like sort of cringe and keep them on my business? Yeah. And acknowledge to those parties that were victimized by that piece saying i see this i understand where you i understand that this is not okay i still like it because it was part of my upbringing or whatever it's still it's an important film to me or show or whatever but i see where you're coming from and i respect that exactly like we should never hold media above a person (laughs) which is what keeps happening in this day and age because we're just like shut up it's a movie made for your community shut up and it's like what the community is saying, it's not for them. They don't know who it's for. It might be for you, Becky. Um, but instead of you being like, should I listen and learn so I can do better in the future? You're just like, but it's for you. Just go along with it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Agree. Shall we get to hot takes, though? Um, yeah. Spicy? I definitely used my hot take because I'm reading I it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I used all of it, actually, in different parts of this conversation. <laughs> So my new hot take is part of the reason I love this movie is that it merges sci-fi and horror in a way that we don't get often enough anymore. And when we do get it, people piss on it, which is why they're like, nope, it's a sci-fi. Everything everywhere like once is a sci-fi. And it's just like, what happened to us being able to like critique things and understand things and like look at a larger level? Like, nope, it's a sci-fi horror. That's just all there is to it. Like, Jean Jacket eats people, y'all. They are running from Jean Jacket for a good chunk of the movie. Um, trauma has happened. 
Stephen Yoon's character specifically has experienced some trauma and we get to go back and see it, it's a fucking horror movie. Right. Everything everywhere all at once. Like it's sci-fi, but also like if you think about it, it's also kind of like a psychological situation because she's going back to like see different versions of herself. <laughs> and that is fucking terrifying. Like I think about who I was five years ago, 10 years ago and further back. And I'm just like, them bitches I don't want to talk to. And like, what if I'm not as different as I think I am from them? Like that is psychological. And we don't give that same weight anymore. Cause back in the olden days, like especially in the 50s, where like the original The Fly and the Blob and the Body Snatchers, people weren't like, it's sci-fi. They were like, it's a gross movie, let's go. And I miss that because now people are trying to gatekeep shit and like not play with all the paint colors. Agreed. And some and horror sci-fi is some of my favorite cross pollination, I would say. Listen, because sci-fi, first off, Mary Shelley created the genre of horror with a science fiction book called Frankenstein. Horror is the things that scare you, and science fiction is usually men creating shit. And what's more scary than men playing God? Not much. Not much. And when it's not men playing God, it's little green aliens coming down from the space. Do you not think you'd be terrified if that happened to you? Yeah. So again, fix your face. So let's just jump a little bit. I'd be like, hey, daddy. I mean, if they're a cute alien, you know what? Also, before <laughs> the pandemic, because in the pandemic, we're like, you know what? Get out of my way or take me with you. But like before the pandemic, <laughs> we'd have been like, oh, no, not aliens. We keep forgetting we have aliens because we've had some sightings and shit. And we're just like, I'm too busy trying to survive. Speaking of aliens that Sheree and I would leave with, <laughs> go subscribe to our Patreon and watch... <laughs> Our Patreon exclusive episodes. I was about to say something. I was like, wait, this is the main feed. No, like, we definitely have an episode in there for Significant Other. What's it called? What else that finger do? I don't remember. Something like that. What else I'm you going to do with up, that finger? I was very proud of that. And it's also what else can... <laughs> Like, Mr. Lacey, you can put your finger on me. That's okay. Um. <laughs> Um, it is called What Else That Finger Do. What Else That Finger Do? Because, ooh, the things I would do to that alien. Listen, listen, that's an alien that's got my heart. And that's, ooh, and that alien could be Jeff Goldblum one day. It could be somebody. It could be um, whoever. It could be anybody. Listen, listen. <laughs> I. Some of these aliens be play. spicy, y'all. Some of them get real spicy. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, yes. Enjoy the Patreon. <laughs> I'm not talking to men anymore. If I tell about male aliens, I'll swipe right tonight. Like <laughs> ET, let's go home. Like I. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So my hot take, I've added in just a little bit. I just took out like half of it because I don't want to spoil it for you if you watch it. This movie doesn't need a sequel. Does not need a sequel. It the sequel was made for because this one was popular. After you watch it, I'm curious your thoughts because after reading the synopsis of the sequel, I was like, I thought this was good. Anyway, I don't want to. I'm not. I'm. I'm holding back, Sarah. I'm holding back. But this this video, this movie does not need a sequel, and not everything needs a fucking sequel. No. Uh, it does not. It does not. <laughs> um, I I don't know if this one needs a sequel or not because I've not seen the sequel. But I, again, like we talked about with Josh Conkle a few times on the show, 
I don't mind a movie just being the one movie. We don't always need it to be a franchise. Like, it doesn't always pay off. Like, I, I love Michael Myers, but like most of the movies, mid. We clearly love Freddy Krueger. Most of the movies, mid. That's a choice. <laughs> Hellraiser fine. dips they off fine. real fucking fast and hard. <laughs> and so again, like, if you have a good script and it's a good movie, just let it be a memory. But I think that, unfortunately, it's about we have money. System. It's about money. We live in a society also where people don't let things go, which is why they want happy endings so the characters live forever and always. And I'm just like, that's not realistic. And that's part of the reason why so much of the content is mid. All right. Well, that's our thoughts on The Fly, on Brenda Fly, on uh, the daddy that is Jeff Goldblum. Daddy (laughs) Goldblum, can you hear me? The (laughs) daddy of Jeff Goldblum and the mother of Gina Davis. Listen. Listen. This one of couples, cause this one of couples, like in the Lost Boys, I was like, the 80s were wild and I'd have been wild. That's one of couples where I would have been wild too. Um, <laughs> you would have been that unicorn? I would have. I would have <laughs> happily, before you turned into a fly anyways. And I'd be like, nah, girl, we gotta leave. Yeah, we gotta go. We go we find got, somebody else. <laughs> we gotta fly down, Gina. We gotta go. We gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. Um, yeah, so thank you everyone for listening. Next week, we're gonna cover the goddess the lovely, the beautiful, the talented. We're covering Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Cassandra Peterson was in Kansas City this weekend as we're recording this um, at a con, and I was not in Kansas City at a con. I was at South By, and the South By was great. I got to see so many people I love up close and personal, but also I was not in the room with Elvira. Um, so I'm hurt. But anyway, that's continuing our theme. We love the 80s. Um, because it's an 80s movie and she is the 80s. Like, how do you love Elvira? If you don't love Elvira, why are you listening to us? Truly. What's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Listen, I wanted to be her when I was growing up because again, how many spooky bitches was doing it like her? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, do you see I put a wig on my dragon back there? (laughs) It's like me. Oh, yes. All right, everyone. Thank you all for listening. And as always, make sure you stay fierce out there. Bye.